and we're back. Episode two of the Woe Dependent Podcast. Um, I just wanted to start off by saying thank y'all. I know that's how I ended, but I will start with appreciation and thanks. I appreciate everybody who listened to the first episode, who showed their support, who messaged and called and texted and said that you listened to it and enjoyed it. I really wasn't expecting such, I guess, good things to be said. I just kind of did it to do it. And then once people responded, it, it made me feel good. So uh, love and appreciate that. Love and appreciate y'all. Uh, one thing that I do want to uh, touch on and talk about, because I am... Lately, I've been having to do things at a slower pace these last few years uh, so far as creating, because there's only so much time. Um, I do everything myself. And what I mean is is I, I write, I produce, I make the beats, I do the artwork, I record, mix, and master all by myself. It's just one person, me. Um, so please understand that it sometimes shit takes a while because I am one person and I have a lot of other stuff going on. Uh, and by a lot of other stuff, the, uh, 90% of that is is the kids in the household. So please understand that. I, I did have some people get a little aggressive with me and, you know, be like, you need to put stuff out faster if you want people to be interested. First of all, I don't really care if people are interested. As with my music, I'm, I'm doing th- this as a creative outlet. I'm not doing this for anything else other than that. That's priority uh, numero uno. Everything that I do is well-dependent. That that it means dependent on me. That's the bottom line. All of this is me. I've worked with labels before. I've had uh, major record label offers. I've worked with PR people and lawyers and shit and and that that's just not <clears throat> that's not what I want wanted to be the focus I don't want any of that shit involved in in my creating in my creative process because I feel like it dilutes it and it pollutes it um, to where my art and my expression isn't my art and my expression anymore <clears throat> so I just wanted to kind of give y'all an insight into that process because a lot of people see things from the outside people who've been watching me for a long time uh, they see that I put out music they see that I create they see that I do these different things and not to sound like cliche and bullshit but they they think it's easy like they they don't understand every layer that goes into it Uh, most people who do this who make music they have a team dedicated to certain things somebody just for the artwork somebody just for the mixing somebody just for the mastering somebody just for the recording somebody just for you know engineering somebody just for sequencing and I don't have any of that I do all of it on my own and again a big part of it is I have way more responsibilities outside of creating now 
six, seven, eight years ago, whenever I was pumping out music and in you know a month and 30 days I'd put out 15 20 songs um, I didn't have as many responsibilities uh, and I guess kids so bear with me understand that I'm juggling a lot but I do appreciate y'all every listen every share every positive comment everything even if like I always say even if you hate my guts and it's fuck wody till the death I still appreciate you and with that being said, episode two of the Wody Pendant Podcast. So I guess I'll talk about and address something that I feel like I talk about and address on a pretty regular basis seems like every few months somebody <clears throat> has something to say it pops back up and it is a uh, brought to my attention and that is uh, as frivolous and as stupid as it may sound uh, my hair uh, my dreadlocks if y'all didn't know I have dreadlocks <clears throat> 2014 is whenever I started my quote-unquote dread journey so this February will be seven years there is a portion of the population that believes only people of certain cultures are allowed to have dreadlocks and by people of own uh, people of certain cultures i mean black people they believe that black people own the hairstyle the dreadlock hairstyle and that if anybody else with my skin tone wears dreadlocks in their hair that is cultural appropriation and it's offensive and insensitive and backhandedly racist to other cultures is my personal belief that uh the people who say these things that that are on the whole cultural appropriation thing the people who are who will take a white person having dreadlocks and turn it into some fake woke social justice issue I don't think that they truly believe what they're saying deep down I believe that is one of those uh, social media started myths that uh, it's bullshit wrapped in social justice wrapping paper but there's no substance to it whatsoever I'm just going to break it down as, as simply and as basic as I can It doesn't matter who the fuck you are, what color your skin is, what your hair type is, what your heritage is. It does not make a fuck. If you stop brushing your hair, your hair will then start to lock together and form dreadlocks on its motherfucking own. Okay? Let's take it a little deeper. Brushing your hair is completely unnatural for anybody for any race for any human being brushing your hair is completely unnatural the natural state of every single human being the natural state of their hair their natural untouched unbrushed hair is dreadlocks 
and it's funny because the majority of the people who who accuse me of cultural appropriation and who tell me that I'm not allowed to have dreadlocks aren't even black people. It's it's white people. It's these fake ass fucking white fake woke virtue signaling motherfuckers. I don't even know how else to describe them because I'm all about equality and social justice. But when we're focusing on, on, on hair, like, get the fuck out of my face. You're an idiot. You, you are so caught up in the facade and the illusion that if you think me having dreadlocks is somehow hurting another culture or oppressing another culture, you're a full-fledged fucking moron. And besides those people, the, the fake woke social justice keyboard warriors they're the people that they, just flat out racist and, and ignorant people uh, no offense but a, a, a large portion of who I went to school with um, and that is that's something that I'm used to my entire life uh, I was told that I shouldn't listen to rap music or hip hop music or urban music uh, either by family members, not immediate family members. My mom encouraged it. She she was all about it. But um, extended family. And then once I moved here, it, it was like forbidden. Like people acted like because I wore the clothes that I wore, because I listened to the music that I listened to, I, I bought the fake blinged out jewelry and the necklaces, the chains and all that. When when these redneck motherfuckers would see me, you would think that I spit in their mother's face and pulled my dick out in front of their grandma or some shit. They just were like, you cannot, you are not allowed to look or act like this or participate in, in that culture. All because I, I have white skin. Not knowing that my great, 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 my great 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 was grandfather was African American. Um, so again, people do a whole lot of fucking talking, but don't understand uh, history. They don't understand basic shit. They don't understand my history or my heritage or or my background. They see my white skin and say, "You are not allowed to do that." So yeah, between. The ignorant motherfuckers who are ignorant and racist and the ignorant motherfuckers who are ignorant and think they're being woke, uh, I get shit about my hair quite often. Um, But I will say I get far more compliments than I do um, complaints or, or hate. It's just the hate is much more persistent and much more aggressive. (laughs) than the compliments and and the hate always comes from the same people that's what people use if they want to try to disparage me or talk shit about me I've said this a, a million times on social media and talking with people people reach for and pardon my French but this is this is a quote I've heard this exact phrase thrown at me more than 50 times uh since I've had my dreads but they call me a nappy-headed wannabe nigger. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. I apologize for saying the word, but that is what I am called quite frequently. 
by the same people over and over again. That and and I want to be black because I have dreadlocks, because I, I rap, because that's what I do for a living, because I enjoy hip-hop music and urban culture and, and all that shit. Um, that's what that's that's the only thing that that these people ever can say about me um, besides just like making up shit or like bringing up shit from my past like yes I did get arrested for trafficking cocaine yes I did get arrested for trafficking ecstasy meanwhile you got a, you got arrested for smoking meth you smoked your kneecaps out congrats not saying one is better than the other but like I said the people who are judging me for what I did when I was 18, 19, 20 years old are the same people who were smoking meth six months ago and trying to stay clean. So, <clears throat> there's that. It doesn't matter what I do, somebody will find a way to be mad at me or hate on me or whatever it may be. And it's funny because two sides of the spectrum, super, super left-wing people and liberal fake woke people and the super super far right extremist racist people they say the same thing (laughs) about me (laughs) which is which is pretty fucking hilarious and ironic if, if you stop and think about it so how different are you really how how different are are you liberals and conservatives really if you have the same opinion about me which is i'm not allowed to do certain things because i look a certain way both of y'all sound pretty fucking racist and ignorant to me, wouldn't you say? So yeah, um, I just wanted, like I said, I wanted to touch on that. It got brought up again the other day. It, it gets brought up quite frequently. It, it's a, a focal point, a talking point, whenever it comes to grown-ass men sitting around and having circle jerks centered around me. And what they talk about, that is usually one of the main focal points. Um, I've thought about cutting them just because they get annoying sometimes, just because having long hair in general gets really fucking annoying sometimes, but I don't think I'm going to do that anytime soon. They're pretty long. They're all the way down my back. Um, and I enjoy them. I feel like it's me. Uh, whenever I first put them in, my mom was really upset because I had talked about it for years. I mean, good five, six, seven years I talked about getting them putting them in and uh my mom was just so against it because she she was ignorant too she was kind of you know she was like all white people who have dreads smell bad i'm like mom no that's just the stereotype <laughs> that's the stereotypical person with dreads you know and then once i got them once once uh, it went a few months then she did she was like i can't imagine you being anything else i can't imagine you having any other type of hairstyle whatsoever it's you and that's what i feel like i feel like it's me i feel like it suits me i feel like this is me um so yeah if y'all like it cool if y'all don't fuck off i don't fucking know fucking go to therapy or something shit so i guess i'm gonna get into my nerd bag real quick this probably won't be a too too long of a segment but uh I'm a gamer, um, so some of y'all will relate and understand, and some of y'all just won't give a fuck because you don't care about anything like that, So, which is completely cool. I understand it's nerdy. There's a lot that comes along with gaming. Um, so yeah, if that's not your thing, fucking fast forward, 
or not, whatever. But I was going to talk about Cyberpunk 2077, the game that released a week ago or so. And that's been in development for almost a decade, about eight years or so. Uh, Eight years ago was when they first announced it. And it was a huge deal, obviously, if you're going to announce it eight years before it's released. But it's a a first-person shooter slash RPG game, a role-playing game. Those who play video games regularly, I would describe it as a cross between Grand Theft Auto and Skyrim, the Elder Scrolls games. It's set in the cyberpunk universe which originated as a tabletop uh, dungeon and dragon dungeons and dragons type game uh, back in the 1980s don't quote me on this I want to say 1984 was when I read Um, but yeah it originated from a tabletop game and it's a uh, dystopian future kind of almost apocalyptic uh, future Uh, Blade Runner The Fifth Element that type of setting for people who who have seen those movies the point of the game is like I said it's it's an RPG so you're leveling up certain skills you can play pretty much how you want to play you can be stealth you can be a hacker you can just go in, guns blazing, you can stay back and snipe. It, it gives you a lot of freedom in what exactly uh, it is that you want to do, how you want to play, and how you want to approach each different mission that you may have. It's open world in every sense of the word, um, just like I said, set in a futuristic setting. Uh, the storyline, I don't want to give away too much, but your intertwined with Keanu Reeves's character. Keanu Reeves is in the video game, which was random but kind of appropriate. But you're intertwined with him. Um, he needs you, you need him, but y'all don't necessarily fucking like each other type situation. So the, I guess the main thing that most people have heard about, even if you're not really a gamer, I'm sure you've seen it. It was even on the news and all sorts of shit. Uh, talking about the release, how terrible the release of the game was um, on essentially everything except for high-end PCs and uh, Stadia, I believe, which is a video game streaming service by Google, I think. But yeah, if you got it on a console, Xbox One, PS4, the pro versions of those consoles, or even uh, happen to get a next generation console, uh, the Series X or the PS5, it was, it was rough. And I did, I got it the day that it came out and, um, it already had a day one patch that had to download that was, uh, I think about the same size of the game, which was about 40, 50 gigs. So it took me about 12 hours because of our shitty internet provider to download the patch to be able to play it. And whenever I finally got done downloading it, patched it, put it on, started playing, I was like, what the fuck is this shit? It, it, it was bad. It looked really, really bad. Um, I kept telling myself like, oh, it's not that bad. It was bad. Um, <clears throat> the beginning part was a lot uh, 
a lot smoother. You could tell that they dressed up the beginning part um, to take away, to like kind of draw people in more, but it was still trash. I got about three hours in, and before I was like, all right, I just can't play it anymore because I'm getting upset. I can't believe I spent, you know, $60 on this game, waited so long for this, for it to just be, tra I mean, it was like PlayStation 2 type graphics, you know, it was, it was terrible. And I was, I, I was upset, but then I started reading, you know, getting past my initial shock and like disbelief and disgust. I started, started reading, uh, and uh, started following the actual cyberpunk Twitter page and keeping up when they were coming out with new patches. A couple days later, they came out with the first patch. Uh, it was about 15 gigs and it was immediately notice noticeably be better. Uh, it's not as good as it is now. Um, and it's still not perfect, but that first patch made it, made it playable, made it able to sit through it. There was still, and there's still moments where if, if you're on a base console, like I'm on the, on the base Xbox one, uh, if you play for too long and you drive and you're driving around and you're constantly speeding around from one area to another, it, it, it will get to a point to where it needs to rest and it needs time to catch up with itself. They're coming out with more patches. I have faith in them. I'm glad I got the game that I did uh, the day that I did. Uh, I'm glad I didn't wait. The Like I said, the initial disappointment sucked, but overall, I'm, I'm really satisfied. I don't understand why people, you know, knowing that they come out with patches and that they, that they fix things, uh, why they got a refund or whatever i think that was just people overreacting or people who who didn't know that this is a a good develop developer whenever it comes to actually listening to their fan base and doing right by their fan base um if you're a gamer you know ea is like the complete opposite of that they suck they don't listen to their fans and all they care about is money and microtransactions and shit like that. Uh, CD Projekt Red is not... They, they don't have a history of that. This is their first, like, super big fuck-up. The the release of The Witcher 3 was rough, but not as rough as this. But they, had, they do have a history of redeeming themselves. And for it to be a little over a week since the release of the game, I guess, maybe two weeks, and for it to be what it was on the on the release day to what it is now is is incredible in my opinion and i appreciate that so yeah if you're a true gamer and and you love those kind of games you love rpgs you love wide open uh worlds with so much to do especially if you love good single player stories and narratives uh good storylines it's great i love it i think it's a, it's a great game um right now i'd give it a eight out of ten four out of five two out of three however you want to fucking look at it it's a great game it's a great experience if you truly love getting lost in video games and sinking time into worlds and exploring and figuring out what all you can do and just all you know the whole gaming thing you'll you'll love it i love it i was talking to erica about it the other day i feel like a lot of the backlash is fabricated it's uh phony it's like uh pineapple on pizza uh, i think most people just talk shit about pineapple on pizza because it's tr the trendy thing to do i want to say that there's probably a meme that said the exact same thing but it's it's the truth 
uh, one a, a snowball starts and then everybody jumps on and then makes the snowball bigger. Even if they don't, they just want to uh, ride a trend and ride a train. So yeah, that's my two cents. Check it out. It's dope. I'll be talking about video games more here and there because that's kind of something that I like to do and I need content. So I know I got my nerd fans out there as well. So yeah, that's for y'all. So we just had a really fucking terrible, unfortunate thing happen. A program that I use that I run through my DAW, which is Ableton, which is the program that I use to make and record all my music. A program that I use that connects to Ableton gave out. So a lot of my plugins that I use and settings that I use are fucked for the moment. So if it sounds different, if the quality sounds worse than my previous recordings, that is why. So a lot of people ask about mine and Erica's relationship. A lot of people are kind of fascinated by how we are with each other, how our relationship is, what goes on in our relationship, and I guess it, it, it confuses people, which I understand completely, because we're not your conventional couple, I guess. We don't really operate under the same rules and regulations that uh, most other people operate under. We're very open. We are very uh, explorative, if that's a word, whenever it comes to sex and the things that we say and and just the things that we do during sex and, and how open we are. And, and I know a lot of people have, have talked about and whispered about how open Erica and I are in our relationship. And for us, it's pretty straightforward and simple obviously there's other things that that go into a relationship that are involved with having a successful long-lasting relationship but for us it's, it's just being as open as possible um, we don't hold anything back in any aspect in the bedroom we get crazy we say a lot of wild shit but even just in our in our normal life there's not things that we keep from each other we are literally open about everything. We don't have secrets. We don't keep things from each other. We don't have like separate lives, if that makes sense. Like we are our we are our own people, but a lot of a lot of people in relationships operate as if they how can I explain it? They're in a relationship, but they're not in a partnership. They're more of like just with somebody or living with somebody, but then still living their own life, if that makes sense. Especially nowadays, people get in relationships and then still live separate lives. Um, we don't do that. If that works for y'all and that's been successful for y'all, that's great. That's awesome. Do what you do. But for us, that that just that doesn't work for us. We are... I am her, she is me, we are, uh, you know, <clears throat> we are family, I'm the walrus, all that shit, but it is, it's, with me and Erica, it's about openness and trust, that's what allows us to do things 
that before we in past relationships we would never have done because there wasn't true openness and true trust it was more about control I've talked about it before how in my past relationships I was controlling and I was very insecure about even the fact that my partner had been with someone before I even met them just that kind of delusion uh, of of control wanting to have control over somebody but going through all the relationships that I've gone through uh, just the different experiences marriage divorce all of it, it it's allowed me and has opened my eyes and allowed me to see through a different perspective and it, and it allowed me to see how I was being very toxic in my relationships and ultimately driving my partners away fast forward and my perspective is completely changed on on what goes into a healthy relationship a successful long-lasting relationship my perspective has changed on on what it's supposed to look like society taught us indoctrinated us with unattainable and unrealistic ideals of love of what love looks like and what relationships look like what healthy relationships look like all that shit that we see in TV and media and movies and romantic comedies and romance novels and the magazines, the different women's magazines, how to make him love you, the men's magazines, how to please her. It's, it's, all, it's all bullshit. The reason why divorce rates are so fucking high, the reason why there are so many kids that come from broken homes is because people get married and getting to relationships and have children with people while having a completely unrealistic view of how the relationship should go, how it will go, how it's going to go, how they should act, what it should look like. And so from the jump, it's already built on a foundation of, of crap. The foundation is crap because the ideas that they have about love and, and what a relationship looks like is false it's fabricated it's unattainable an example of this is the idea that society pushes that once you are in love with someone you no longer are attracted to anyone else you no longer have sexual urges or fantasies about anybody else um, and if you do then you're a horrible terrible partner and that is a sign of an unhealthy relationship and th again, this is a topic that is, is tough for people to digest because we have been so conditioned to think that relationships look one way, that are supposed to look one way. But the bottom line is, is that humans are here to fuck and procreate with as many partners as possible. We're animals. It's, it's our human instinct to procreate, to spread our seed, to be fruitful and multiply. I mean, there you go, right there. We are literally intended to multiply. And to go into a relationship and thinking that, okay, my partner is never... Now that I am in a relationship with someone, they are no longer ever going to fantasize about someone else, have sexual urges towards somebody else, find anybody else attractive. And that's that's lunacy. That's insanity. 
and I, I was like that, like I was talking about. I was delusional and controlling, you know, just about, no, you, you can't, you can't look at another person that way. You can't feel, but it's, it's literally human nature. You're, what society is trying to do with, with these romantic comedy versions of, of what relationships look like, you're literally taking human nature and human instinct out of the person and then saying, okay, now go be normal. No, it doesn't work like that. That's why divorce rates are so fucking high. Because people are conditioned to think, well, oh my God, they went and they slept with somebody else, so that means that they don't love me. No. And a lot of y'all are going to hear that and be like, oh my God, that's insane. But that's it's just the truth. Humans have urges, and, and we react on them, and we act upon them. That That's for a reason. We were designed that way. So... Now, I'm not saying go out and cheat and and be deceitful to your partner and lie and, and all of that. That's, that's not what I'm saying at all. But understand everything that I just said. Your partner will be attracted to other people besides you. Even if y'all have been married for 25, 30 years, your partner will look at someone else, male or female, and be like, damn, I'd tap that. It's just human fucking nature. And I came to that realization. And in my past relationships, I never I never would have been able to think that way. I never would have been able to process that, to digest that about my partner. Because, again, I was so... I was, it was all about control. It's about me, 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 me. And I'm not perfect. I'm not saying that I'm, you know, the perfect partner. There are times where I'm like, yo, give me more attention. I want more attention. Um, but we're all like that. But that's what I'm saying. I'm talking about human nature. And Erica and I have found a way to kind of incorporate that stuff into our relationship. And like I said, when it comes to just us two having sex with each other and and what we say, um, we we will bring up other people. You might be listening to this and Erica and I might have said your name during sex. It's a way to satisfy that human urge but at the same time you are being open and vulnerable with your partner and whenever you're able to genuinely trust each other then you can say whatever the fuck in those moments because you know at the end of the day what you have you trust your partner enough and I've never trusted anyone that I have been with like I trust Erica that's just the bottom line. It's insane. Sometimes I look at it and I'm like, I try to, I'm like, maybe, maybe if I think about, think about it long enough, I'll, I'll get mad and I'll get like jealous. And like I said, I do, I still do certain times. Like I said, you know, I, if we're out and I see dudes checking out Erica, you know, sometimes I'm like, yeah, that's my bitch. And other times I'm like, Hey motherfucker, back the fuck up. But for the most part, like I said, I, I, I understand human nature, human instinct. That's what we do. I think part of the problem why we have so many problems that we have is that we are so sexually oppressed in a way. It's weird because we live in such an over, overly sexualized culture, but at the same time, when we grow up, we're taught that sex is like not to be talked about and this dirty thing and, and it's it's hush-hush. And I never understood that because it's literally like, what put us here is fucking we're all here 
because somebody fucked. That's it. We are, we fuck. The whole basis of our existence is fucking. And we act like it's, it's some like far off mystical veiled thing when it's like, no, bro, my fucking came from my dad's balls. But again, we've been conditioned to be like, ew, don't think about that. Like, bro, you were cum at once, you know, like we were cum. So yeah, we, we've got to get like more comfortable, not, not with like being overtly sexual and just throwing it everywhere, but just understanding that we are sexual beings and we are a product of sex. So yeah, I know that was long winded as fuck. And, and I know I'm going to go back and once this is uploaded and I'll go back and listen to it. And be like, damn, there's another point that I wanted to make, but I didn't make it. That's just the setup of the podcast right now. I know the way I said certain things might come off the wrong way. And you know, you might not understand the context or whatever it may be. But I hope that I made sense. I hope that you kind of understand, even if you don't agree completely. I hope you understand like where I'm coming from with that. And yeah, you know, me and Erica are open. Our, our sex life is, is dope. I've never felt closer with someone and I've never done the things that I've done with Erica with anybody else. And like I said, to be vulnerable to, to the point to where you are open, opening up to somebody and they are accepting you and you are accepting them and you, and everything that comes with it, even the, the animal parts of us, the animal instinct to accept that is beautiful. And, and I believe that it's, it's very necessary in order to have a, a long sustained, healthy relationship. Bottom line is all that bullshit that you go and see in the movie theaters and watch on Netflix and uh, on every Sunday night on HBO, whatever the fuck it is, it's bullshit. It's unattainable. It's unrealistic. Everybody's relationships will look different. And if we were just more in tune with uh, human nature in general, then I feel like our relationships with people would be stronger and divorce rates wouldn't be so high and all that. Yeah. So there it is. Episode two of the Woe Dependent Podcast. As always, I, I really appreciate everybody who has listened, everybody who has listened to the first episode and the second episode people who are just now here in the second episode people who listened to the first episode and said nah, I ain't listening to the second episode people who aren't even fucking listening and who will never listen I appreciate all of you thank you so much I am a little let down a little disappointed in how this episode turned out I had some technical issues I had an input on my interface go out and then once I finally got that rigged up and able to record again I loaded up Ableton and I had a program give out on me, basically crash, and now I can't ask, access a bunch of my uh, plugins that I use, waves and all that. So I had to adjust and, and scramble and, and put this together in kind of an uncomfortable situation. The last 10 or so years, I've had my equipment set up. Um, if, if you're into making music and you're, and you're into producing, then you know that each person has their own like workflow, the way that they do things, their own settings, their own equipment. And it takes time building that and forming that and, and just creating what your habits and cycles are to get the best sound out of your creations. 
and I've been doing the same thing like I said the last 10 or 12 years I found my flow I enjoyed the sound I enjoyed how it sounded and now I have to go back and retool and get reacclimated to some things I have to purchase some new equipment I have to purchase uh, some new programs I gotta learn some of this this newer shit because I've been operating on stuff that's a decade old. I got it brand new ten years ago, but technology moves so fast, and now some my stuff is outdated and isn't compatible with the newer stuff. So it's just it's just a whole process of updating. So I hope to be back up and running like I'm accustomed to by the end of the year, by the first of this coming year. But once I do get everything updated, I'll be able to do more, I'll be able to handle more. It'll just be a better overall experience for everybody involved. And yeah, what's what's the cliche ass term? Minor setbacks for major comebacks or some shit. But the bottom line is, I uh, will be back. It will be better. It will be longer. Lately, I've been trying to aim for between at least 45 minutes to an hour i think we're pushing 50 minutes at this point but like i said once i get everything updated i will be able to do more i'll be able to create more i will be able to have a better environment and set up for guests to actually come in and uh do interviews or do entire shows with me or whatever it may be i will have more content that includes more people other people artists and just whoever it is it'll also allow me to create better quality music uh, i i've always take taken pride in my music and how it sounds and i've always had compliments on how it sounds about how it sounds it comes from a legit you know million dollar studio and that type of shit and i pride myself on the fact that it's just me and my programs my microphone which is which is a good mic but everything else is just me mixing. I don't have a sound booth. I don't have insulated soundproof walls. I don't, none of that. Everything that you hear is for, done from my mixing and learning how to mix and master on my own. Listen. Do you hear that? Do you hear the music? I made that. And that, that might not seem like much to you, but that's what I take pride in. The fact that this is all mine and nobody can take it from me. If somebody wants it, they gotta buy that shit from me. And I'm proud of that. So I appreciate y'all for sticking with me, for continuing to support me despite the setbacks and the procrastination. I might not always be on schedule, but I'm always on time. <laughs> but anyways i love y'all thank you for the support i hope y'all have a good christmas it's just a couple days away or whatever it is that you celebrate do it safely do it with love if you're somebody like me who who has lost somebody and and the holidays are, are tough uh, i feel you i'm with you don't let it keep you down don't let it bring you down take that and create something new in honor of whoever it is that you lost. Just try to stay positive. Thank y'all. I love y'all. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And stay tuned. <laughs>